Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Rob, we are here sitting in your office. I'm staring at green grass over on Alumni Park, and no students here at the university. No um, students. Not a single, well, sorry, two. Two just walked by. <laughs> Check that. Two students who remain on campus, but they're two of the few who remain here. Um, because in this corona crisis, the university's made a decision for students not to come back. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, today is Friday, uh, March 27th. Um, shout out to my son, Caleb, whose birthday's today. What, what? But um, yesterday, the 26th, you know, uh, we made a decision as a university um, to not continue to, or, or not to pursue bringing students back on campus for the remainder of the semester. We are, however, going to continue the academic year uh, as best we possibly can online on various different digital platforms. Um, And I know that's not every institution's approach. Um, I know of an institution in Virginia right now that's in hot water because they're talking about bringing students back next week. We won't name that institution. Um, So I think there's a lot of of different approaches and uh, maybe some are or more hasty than others, I, I don't know, but but that's the decision that we came to. We feel like that's what's best for our student body, um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's kind of a kind of a weird scene, man. I mean, it, this is supposed to be the height of the semester right now, you know, the apex. It's you know all the events and yeah. things that are supposed to be going on, and man, it's it's quiet. It's, so it's we, kind of strange. It, the the quintessential or the pinnacle event of of this campus is really Lee Day, yeah. and it is the height. Um, thousands of families, thousands of high school students come and visit. Yeah, um, it is a a huge draw for the admissions um, to the university. So, and it's not that. Listen, God will still provide the students. God will still bring the yeah. right people here. Yeah. We're not concerned about that. We're just saying that it is a weird time and a weird shift. And what we've talked a lot about on this on this show is not so much about college campuses, but really about local churches. Yeah, and and you would have been. Well, two weeks ago, we had local churches here in Cleveland still meeting. Last week, you'd been hard-pressed to find a single one, I think. Yeah, it, it, was, it would have been difficult last week. I do know of a couple uh, who still had uh, in-person services last week. Um, most of them were fairly down in numbers, which is to be expected. And um, no, no judgment here, per se. It's just uh, everyone's kind of approaching this the way that they hope and feel is best for not only their families, but also for, in many cases, their livelihoods. I mean, so uh, this this is a very, very strange and very difficult season. Yeah, and, and I don't want to say we were ahead of the curve because I don't think we were, um, but if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, we've had some conversations with, <coughs> with people like Kevin B. Jennings, um, Ellie Bonilla, um, Larry Osborne mentioned yeah, it. Yeah. Several of our guests have talked about this need to think ahead, not knowing that this was coming, but just knowing that culture was shifting. Um, and so here we are in this this pinnacle moment where everybody has to shift. It's non-negotiable. And there are groups, there are organizations who have been ahead of it in preparation for it, just seeing the sign of the times. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, if you go back, uh, Jeff, to our original conversation, we we really started off trying to figure out what a digital discipleship platform looked like. Yeah. 
Uh, and some of that was because of, of, of these kinds of conversations that we're having now. Again, not really anticipating a coronavirus issue, but just the general movement of church and, you know, was, was moving towards the digital platform. Uh, Gen Z, millennials are now beginning to really infiltrate leadership ranks and they're bringing different ideas and different talents to denominations and to local churches. And it was already becoming a, a much more digital platform. But then you have guys like, like my father-in-law, who's been in pastoral ministry for almost 50 years, been over almost 40 years at one church, a great church in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. But, um, but I was talking to him last night, and man, he's just invigorated uh, by the newness. It's like, it, it's, like, uh, it's like a paradigm he only dreamed of at one point. He was talking last night about how pastors are supporting pastors. And even here in Cleveland, uh, I know that other churches are offering recording services. And hey, if you need a studio, come to our church. We'll help you, you know, put your sermon online or whatever. And I think, I think there's a lot of good that's happening as a result of this, even though the, the cause is not good, right? Obviously, we don't celebrate the disease or the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but I think this is doing something to the body of Christ that is, that is waking up something in us that maybe we had, we had let sleep for a while. So Well, I'll never, I'll never compare anything we go through to that of the early church. But yeah. if we look at the book of Acts, what we see in what the Greek word diaspora or the scattering of the saints yeah. was really brought on by persecution. Right. Um, and this is this is sort of a reverse of that. Rather than us being scattered, it seems like this crisis, this situation is drawing the church closer together, even though we're further apart physically. It's a, it's a unique set, setting and situation. I've seen similar things on social media of larger churches opening their facility as a host facility for pastors to come in and preach, to pre-record sermons, um, so that those those shepherds can continue to get content out to their to their right. flock. And I think I think the content creation right now on so many different levels, not just the church level, is just off the charts. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is such a unique time, and um, it's encouraging to see when it counts, when it really matters, that we're willing to lay down some of our preconceived notions, denominational boundaries, uh, philosophical constraints, theological uh, differences. I mean, it's really cool to see those things happening, at least on the surface level. Now, the real tell for me will be, and I was talking to my father-in-law last night about this, the real tell of change will be is after this crisis is, quote, over, whatever that means, and we return to normal, whatever that means, I think, I think the, real, the real tell of this crisis, this season that we're in, will be how we respond to each other afterwards. Yeah. Like, what do we do after this? How do we, how do we um, work together after this? How do we serve each other after this? How do we empower and encourage and inspire each other as pastors and leaders after this. That I think that's where we're really going to know um, what stuck and what didn't. I yeah, guess. no, I, I agree. And the difficult part of after this is that we got to deal with right now. And yeah, so, yeah. so the, where we sit today, where we sit right now with with churches, with <clears throat> church leaders, with 
organizations, ministry organizations who are leading in the midst of crisis, leading in the midst of of something that we've never experienced. Doesn't mean it's never happened, just we've never experienced it. What what are some walkaways for the leaders that listen, Rob, who who are going to be leading in the middle of crisis? And this is not probably new information, but what what can you share from a leader standpoint from your chair, how you're leading in this situation? Yeah, I mean, uh, leadership in crisis. So if you Google leadership in crisis, the, probably the first thing that's going to pop up is a ton of different organizational or business models um, that tell you how to navigate financial crises or tell you how to navigate, um, you know, issues that arise in a corporation. You know, how do you deal with those things in crisis? All those things are important, and I'm, I'm a little bit uh, surprised, slightly frustrated. And at the same time, kind of, uh, kind of inspired a little bit because there's very little content on how the church should lead in crisis. I mean, you know what I'm that's, saying? Like, that's surprising. We seem from, to always from be in a, crisis. From a publication standpoint, there's, yeah. there's not nearly as much content on how the church should function in crisis as there is on how, uh, you know, Ford Motor Company operates in crisis or, you know. So let me push back on that. Stuff like that. So, so maybe it's a situation where where the scorecard is different for churches. So like for Ford Motor Company, there's a bottom line. For yeah. other organizations, there's a, there's a clear-cut bottom line. Um, for churches, the way we've kept score may be different to where we don't notice that we've ever been in crisis. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, uh, that's something to consider. Maybe, I, maybe our bottom line has been wrong. This could be true. Right. Uh, what we're yeah, measuring so may be wrong. What we're measuring may be wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, again, we Jeff and I are both very, very cautious about criticizing the local church because it's our heart, it's our blood, it's who we are, it's what we do. We yeah. love the local church. We've said that a hundred times on the show. But I think at the same time, this is a great opportunity for us. And I've, I teach online classes and leadership here at Lee. I guess lecture a lot on classes here at Lee and leadership. Um and I, we, we have said this so many times, but this is a great opportunity for us as church leaders, as local pastors, to really take assessment, to really take stock of what God is doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our communities, where we serve. I mean, this is, this is a prime opportunity for us to really open up our hands and our hearts and our minds and say, okay, God, what are you doing what are you saying in the midst of, not outside of, but in the midst of? And how can we partner with you? How can we participate yeah. with you? Um, and I think this is just a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, we, I listened back to our episode with Matt Brown that we released just recently. Um, actually, it was recorded about three weeks ago, pre all this. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the conversation, we started asking Matt, is there another revival that's going to take place? Yeah. Is there a revival on the cusp for the, for the American church? And he emphatically said yes. Emphatically said yes. Um, And sometimes revival looks like crisis. Like, like or crisis brings revival. Let's say it that way. Maybe crisis births revival. And so it may be a situation where God has put us in this position to really see what's going to come for the church. Yeah, and I don't think, I think, you know, some people will in... Some people want to say that you know maybe God sent the disease to cause the revival. Oh, I don't. No, I don't no, think. No, no. I don't think that's the case. I think in a fallen human world, people are going to do things and things are going to happen that are that are not necessarily out of God's purview, but that are not 
God calls, meaning God not, did not create the coronavirus to punish his people, right? He didn't create the coronavirus just so there could be a revival. Right. I think how the Spirit of God participates with us and how we participate with him is in the midst of the crisis. He says, hey, I can redeem that yeah. because he does that in our lives personally. Yeah. So when we jack things up and we sin and we mess things up, God doesn't say, I cause you to sin so that you can repent. You know, Paul talks about this a ton. Mm-hmm. I've been all over Romans this week. I've read every every chapter this week, I think twice. But Paul doesn't say that we, we sin just so that grace can abound, right? In, in the same way, this virus stuff doesn't happen just so that revival can happen. But I do believe revival can happen in the midst of, right. as, as a result of. And I think that is a heart posture, a, a spiritual willingness to say, in the midst of God, we trust, we believe, we know, and we act like right. the church. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think you're on point. It's uh, I agree. Um, Dr. Simmons, who we both took in the uh, Romans and Galatians yes. class here at Lee University, would very firmly attest that was to what a you hard said. Class. That, was, that like, was a hard class. I think that was one of the only C's I got in undergraduate. I, I was <laughs> so proud of my C+. Plus. I was so proud of my C+, plus in that class. Thank you, Dr. Simmons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Simmons. Um, so so you've got some notes here, Rob. Yeah. How can we lead in, in the middle of crisis? Well, I think, you know, these are these are very generic sort of principles. I shared with my leadership class the other day, but I think they're just reminders of, for us um, in the midst of crisis, generally and specifically, on just how to how to lead well, uh, and and um, and I think it's important. So I think the first thing is, in a crisis, as leaders especially, uh, we need to stay calm. Uh, I had a conversation with an, with another gentleman this morning, um, and he was talking about pastoring and pastoring in crisis, and. Uh, he was talking about how, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, he's closing the circle, like, like he's, like they're shutting people out, right? And I said, and I said, we can't do that. We, we have to stay calm by shepherding well, right? We can't leave the sheep. Jesus went after the 90, the one, you know, he brought the 99 in, he went after the one. All, all of those things apply. But I think the deep, the most important thing is first just to stay calm because God is sovereign. Christ is still right. on the throne. Yeah, there are some really unpredictable things that can happen in this world on a daily basis outside of the coronavirus stuff, right? There's some really unpredictable stuff, and we really, really see um, our leadership rise, I think, in the midst of crisis. So the first thing is to stay calm and um, and just remember who Christ is and that you're in his, in his, in his care. Yeah, Romans I- 8, nothing, you know, you know, nothing can separate you from the love yeah. of God. Yeah, and I think I think if you're a Bible scholar or not, do not be afraid is sprinkled all throughout Scripture. Yeah. Uh, the Lord just reminds yeah. us perpetually, do not be afraid. Um, it, and I don't think, it doesn't mean don't be wise. Like, of don't course. be foolish. Yeah, don't be foolish. Don't be, be arrogant. Be wise, but don't be afraid. Yeah. Like, and, and so being calm is not going, hey, we're going to run out here and act foolish. Being calm means in the face of the the situation, the circumstance, we're gonna we're gonna stay steady, yeah, and be wise as God leads us. Be consistent, um, just be faithful to the Word, yeah. Be faithful to to those spiritual disciplines in your life. Be calm, right? Yeah, that's that's where it comes from. Um, 
I think, and I think by staying calm, what we really do is we lower our emotional sort of flashpoint, right? So, so I say this all the time. I say you never make big decisions in emotional moments, right? And if you're leading through a crisis, you really can't afford to be hyper emotional in one direction or the other. You have mm-hmm. to have a, a consistency and a calmness about you that, that allows you to make uh, healthy decisions. So, yeah, so stay calm. The second one is uh, really be confident in your abilities. Like God, is, God has given you a gift to lead in the midst of the crisis. So remind yourself that, it, it, listen, if you're a pastor, you've gone through some kind or some level of crisis at some point. Right. Period. That's yeah. just pastoral ministry, uh, yeah, right? So. I mean, you you've had to you've had to bury someone who died very tragically from your congregation. You've you know you experienced sort of um, community pushback on a project. I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways that pastors experience crisis on a on a weekly basis, right? Um, so draw from those experiences, remind yourself of how God led you through them, and then be confident in in your abilities that you can actually get through this. Yeah. It, it looked different, but but you you can get through. Well, the words that have been echoing sort of in my spirit for the last week, week and a half, is nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. With God, nothing is wasted. So, so there may be experiences from 15 years ago that you can draw on in this circumstance, and you go, I don't know why I walked through that, but now looking back, I go, I walked through that to get to here to be able to lead through that, yeah. through what we're sitting in right now. So it's it, as a leader reach back into those those personal files of your heart and of your life and look for some experiences that you go, hey, God taught me something in that that's useful in this. Yeah, I think one, one of my favorite Rickisms that I stole from my time at Saddleback Church and I've kind of, you know, everybody kind of takes their own stuff and everything's plagiarized, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Rick says, if you say it more than three times, it belongs to you. So I've preached it at least a dozen times, so that means it's mine. So all of our, all of our leaders can steal oh, anything we say. That's exactly right. But uh, one of my favorite Rickisms was he always said, God never wastes a hurt. And he even said that shortly after his, his son, you know, Matthew committed suicide, which is such a tragic mm-hmm. event. Um, but God never wastes a hurt, right? So... God doesn't waste anything. And whatever whatever crisis or difficulty you've gone through, those apply now. Those skills, those lessons, those those pains, those hurts, all of that, those victories in the midst of, all of that applies right now. So that should give you a tremendous amount of confidence that you can actually walk through this, this problem as well. And God has not forsaken us. He's not He's not punishing, you know. America, you know, he's not, that's, because this is, a, this is a world problem, it's, you know, whatever, we yeah. don't have time to get into no, that, no, no, but no, the no. point that's is, not, that's, not, that's, not yeah, the we don't have to, that's a whole different show, yeah. but the point is, we have, we have skills, we have capabilities, we have gifts that God has given us, that the Spirit gives us to lead well through crisis, so be confident in those things. I think the third thing is, even in the midst of this, and this is one thing I was talking to my father-in-law about last night, was, uh, dare to go forward, like dare to dream. So um, in life, you're always going to have those unexpected sort of setbacks, those issues that arise that you didn't anticipate. I mean, I'm thinking about every senior of every university of every high school in America right now probably is saying that just got ripped away from me. That's right. an unexpected setback. And I mean, even last night we did our small group um, on on the Lee website, 
And we had so many athletes on there last night in our small group conversations talking about, man, I have built my career up to this moment, right? I've built my career up to this moment and, um, and it was gone. Like not their fault, not our fault. You know, it's not a fault thing. It's just, it's just the unexpected setback, um, which can often even stun you into paralysis. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like it can freeze you. It's like, uh, and it shocks you into paralysis so that you just kind of get stuck and and stay where you are. But you really have to fight giving into those kinds of feelings. You really got to fight giving into that temptation to be paralyzed uh, in that moment and from that shock. And instead, you got to think about what you can do to start to believe again, to to dream again, to move again. Yeah, it's sometimes fatigue um, and stealing something from my father-in-law. He says fatigue makes cowards of us all. Yeah. And so I think about the story of Caleb from Scripture. At the end of it, he's 85, I think the Bible says. And he's every other land is settled but his land. And he, at 85, gets up and says, let's go take that hill. Yeah. So, and that's not just like for, it's not an age thing, but I think all of us can be fatigued in our spirit, fatigued in, in our body, fatigued in the situation. Yeah. But I think there's still a... A call to go. Hey, we got to go forward. We got to keep yeah. going on. And, and it's Dana and I were talking about this yesterday. Dana, my wife, and I were talking about this yesterday. We, because like here in Cleveland, I mean, it has rained for like I don't know what eight months straight. We get we get one day of sunshine a week <laughs> so, and six days of rain. So we were talking about this the other day, and we said the first day that the sun comes out and it's nice, we guarantee you that people are going to try to live their no- lives normal. And sure enough, yesterday, man, it was a gorgeous day here in Cleveland yesterday. It's a beautiful day today. Yeah. And uh, Dane and I decided yesterday afternoon, like after I got home from work, that we're going to go for a Jeep ride. And so took the windows out and all that stuff. It was a beautiful day. And, man, I kid you not, there were boats on the water. There were people out fishing, people out riding motorcycles. You almost didn't know that there was something, something happening. But the point is we have to be able to to continue to move forward, to believe again that things, again, I, I, I don't know if normal is the right word, but life still happens. Like, we can still live life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Normal is such a difficult word, and, and so maybe nothing's normal ever again, or there's new normals established. But, yeah. but I think the courage to to not quit. The courage to not quit. Yeah, yeah. is where really where you got to sit. Um, I mean, you talk about seniors. I, I'm sure some of them are weeks away from graduation, and they're throwing their hands up going, what was all this for? Yeah. You know, they may not walk across the stage, and mama may not cry, right. and all those things. Yeah. Um, so, so for anybody in any life circumstance, I think it comes down to, listen, the courage does not quit. Keep doing what you're called to do. Yeah. Just, just maybe the format of a change, but we got to keep doing what we're doing. And that doesn't negate the heartbreak. The heartbreak oh, is real. No. The pain is real. Like, the setback is real. Right. Um, but we all have a choice in those moments mm-hmm. to decide what we do in those moments. And to greater or lesser degree, all of us are going to mourn or grieve, um, but some people will choose to stay there. Yeah. Others will say, hey, that really hurt, mm-hmm. but I still got to live my life and I got to move on. And I'm, and I'm thinking... I think the overwhelming response that I've heard so far in the last 24 hours from our students here at Lee has been, yeah, that really hurt. 
but man, God has been faithful. It's been amazing. Thank you, Lee, for the ride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I'm going to drop, a, I'm gonna drop a, a podcast secret for okay. those listeners who, who are listening um, on that topic because we have somebody coming in, not in, but coming on the show um, over the summer who's, I consider an expert in this, willing to talk about hard things and hurt. Mike Foster has agreed to come on the show in June. Yeah. And that's a guy who says over and over, don't waste the hurt. Don't waste, don't the, waste hurt. the hurt. So for those of you listening, be subscribed come summertime because Mike yeah. Foster is going to be on the show. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so go forward. I think the fourth thing is, since we're just clipping through points, I think the fourth thing is make sure you got the facts, especially in a crisis. Uh, you cannot afford to have a reactive leadership style in, in a crisis. Um, and I listen, this this... I watched a video yesterday about this this whole Corona, was it COVID nineteen yeah. thing, right? So, I watched a video yesterday. There have been three different, at least three different, synopses of this virus in the last three to four weeks. You know, the first thing was you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. The second thing was well, it's this, this, and this, and the third thing was well, now here's the new reality about COVID, right? So. It's, you cannot afford to have a reactive style leadership in a crisis. So you really got to get the facts, right? So uh, number one, things are rarely as bad, bad as they uh, first appear, seldomly. Uh, number two, never underestimate how bad things could actually be. <laughs> Seems like a paradox. Right, it is a paradox. And, and typically I've found that the, the truth is somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if you just watch the news for more than 10 minutes on any given day right now, you're going to hear both extremes. Right. The, somebody on there is going to be saying it's overhyped media hysteria. Somebody else is going to say, and I've seen these, you know, uh, I, I think, I think one statistic was half of the American population is going to catch COVID-19. I'm not a doctor. I don't know, right? Right. But you're going to hear both extremes. And I think... I think and the likelihood whoever said that was probably not a doctor. The likelihood is very high. In fact, actually, I think it was a politician who yeah. said that. And, and, you know, well, never mind. So, but the point is, get the facts. You know, in crisis, uh, you want to get the facts as fast as you can, as true as you can, as much as you can, and you make decisions based on the facts you have. Uh, in the moment. Let's give some leaders permission for this, okay? Yeah. To say, I don't know yet. Exactly, yeah. Because don't make up facts or don't presume facts without getting them. So if you have people asking you and approaching you, I think in leadership, it's it's okay to say, I don't know yet. I'm still searching that or I'm still researching that or still trying to find out. Rather than, than taking the little bit of knowledge you have and surmising some sort of scenario. Right. So, so keep getting the facts, and if you don't know all of them, and you're you're brought to a point of, of being questioned on them, I think I don't know is an okay answer at this point. Yeah, and I think I think it's hard to make decisions on I don't know, but you make the best decisions you can. You give yourself permission to fail. There's a lot of grace and leadership that that needs to be had right now, because people are making decisions on information that they're getting as they're getting it from the source that they're getting it right. So there's a lot. Of variables in there. right, so there needs to be a lot of grace and leadership in crisis, but mm-hmm. but get the facts as best you possibly can, and you know I think not that we have the right model or the only model, 
But one of the things I do appreciate about how we at Lee have particularly approached this crisis is we're going to make the hard decisions at the moment we have to make the hard decisions and not before then. Mm -hmm. So even though just yesterday we said, hey, we're going to finish the semester online, we still haven't canceled commit commencement graduation because we don't think yet we're at that stage where we need to make that hard decision. Right. Now, we will have to make that hard decision probably in the next couple of weeks because if we don't, then there are other ramifications in place, you know, with getting uh, gear set up and, you know, uh, ordering things to make sure that we can do commencement well. You, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so one decision, you know, affects a thousand other decisions. And when it's the right time, when we have to make that hard decision, we'll make it, but probably not till then. So... Um, yeah. And again, it's it's going back to having all the information. Yeah. Um, and so, what I appreciate about Dr. Khan, who's the president here, and, and probably one of the best leaders I've ever been around in my life, yeah. kind of quietly does it. Um, he's an information gatherer, and and when the decision, and when it's time to make the decision, even when it's a hard decision, he makes it and stands by it. Yeah, and I I don't think people. I know people don't because they probably don't know him personally, but the amount of literature, articles, and reports that Dr. Khan reads on a daily basis is staggering. Smart dude. Smart cat, right? So, yeah. Right, so it is, it is staggering the amount of detail uh, that he consumes on a daily basis uh, to help him inform those decisions. Um, yeah, so kudos to, to Dr. Khan for, for leading leading well through this crisis. And, um, you know, I think it's going to pay off in the long run. But so get the facts and uh, make the best decision you can with the, with the information you have. Consider the sources where you're getting it and uh, give yourself a lot of grace because you're not going to make every decision right. Yeah. Right. So uh, I think the fifth thing that we need to do is communicate constantly. Um, communicate constantly in a crisis people want to know what you think they want to know why you're thinking it they want to know what they should be thinking they want to know what their options are they want to know uh, you know what the decisions are that are being made and how that affects them and affects their lives and as a leader I think you have a responsibility in a crisis to communicate as much as you possibly can now that being said does that mean that you spew out everything that you're thinking in the moment when you're thinking it or considering it? No, of course not. There's wisdom in that, right? Right. Um, one route probably incite a lot more, a lot more panic than what you want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen that in some cases yeah. in in COVID nineteen crisis. I think we've seen some unnecessary panic in a few situations. Not every, but a few. Um, at least at this point, right? So uh, I pray that I'm, you know, wrong about all that stuff. Like I, I hope that, you know, um, the decisions that, are, that our leaders are making on every level, they're, they're making with, with good intentions and good hearts in mind. I don't know. But I think you need to communicate constantly. And I think that's such an important piece of, of a crisis because it empowers people then to to make their own healthy decisions it empowers people then to actually think through how that information impacts them it empowers them to have some kind of control which is a big deal in crisis mm -hmm. 
Um, panic happens when people feel like there's no control, right? right. So um, if you give people the ability to control their environment somewhat in the midst of a crisis, typically it helps keep situations and conversations at a level of which productivity exists and not panic. So organizationally, panic happens when there's a lack of clarity in the communication. Yes. So as a church leader, it's not just a, a communi- communicating consistently or continually, but there's a level of clarity that has to happen in that communication. Andy Stanley, who is a, a guru of leadership, especially in the church world, says once you've heard yourself say it till you're tired of hearing yourself say it, people are just beginning to hear you. Yes. So yeah. um, it's a matter of just continual communication of that and clarity in the communication um, because if you want people to stay with you in your organization, whenever this shifts, whenever we're allowed to go back into church buildings or wherever we meet, wherever right. we gather, if you want people to come back to your house, and we are, again, we have rang the bell that we are local church people, that we, we believe that, that you should stay planted in the house, that you can stick there, serve there. But as a leader, if you want people to come back in eight weeks after you've been shut down, you got to stay connected to them. And that's got to be communication through every portal, every avenue you have right now. Yeah, which is kind of, I think, the last point uh, of a crisis that, you know, that and you could probably create your own list of 10, you know, or 20 or 30 points. But these are just some that we're just talking about. But I think the last point, and you kind of led really well into it, is unleash creativity. Yeah. Unleash creativity. I mean... Gen Zers out there, millennials out there, listen to me. Now is your time to shine. Do not wait for the invite. Swing wide those doors. Present yourself. Right. Make yourself known. Say, I am here to help. I am here to serve. I am here to lead. However, I can be of service to the church. I am here. Why? Because it may take me seven days to learn something that you can do in 15 minutes. So right now, double tap that iPhone button or yes. whatever your little face screen thing is and swipe up to your pastor, your leader, whoever is you're connected to. Send them an email, a DM, a text, call them, connect with yes. them right away to offer your creativity. And listen, creativity is just not an arts thing. Creativity happens in a lot of formats. Oh, a lot of different ways. So whatever you have to bring to the table, it's a great time to get to the table. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's administrative creativity, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it isn't, right? Uh, so reallocation of resources is a creative is a creative yeah. component. Of course, there's artistic creativity, like how do we make this thing look better, cooler, different, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Of course, but there's also technological creativity. There's um, you know there's spiritual creativity, and, I, and I'm saying this in in not in the let's let's redefine the Bible sense. I'm saying this. How do we do a better job in the situation that we're in with the crisis that we have to actually help other people mentor and disciple other people through digital platforms? That's spiritual creativity, right? Yeah. That's how do we use what we have at the moment to maximize our ability to do those things? So, so unleash that creativity. Yeah, data shows that that over, I wish I had the numbers, but I think it's 60% of pastors are over the age of 50 years old. So yeah. of lead pastors. Yeah. Um, and it may be 55 years old. Um, so they are not digital natives. Right. So so they are trying to figure out how to do live stream, 
or they're trying to do Instagram devotions. They're, they're, they want to do these things. Yes. I bet if you ask them, they want to do these things and just don't know how, or they feel awkward, or they're fumbling through it. Um, so if you're, a, if you're a digital native, it's a great time for you to, to assist the leadership of your church and serve yeah. well in that. Serve well in that and say, hey, listen, don't, don't you know, go, go to your senior pastor if they're not sure how to do these things and say, hey, listen, you tell me what you want to say and I will help you say it. Yeah. Like walk them through it. And please, leaders who are uh, not digital natives. Right. Maybe, maybe you've given two cents of worth of a care to digital platforms. Have the humility to open the door, right? Exactly. Have the humility to open the door and say, please come help me. Because that's where the real payout is for the church. A cross-generational, cross-cultural, highly diverse expression of Christ's love impacting the world and imp- impacting the community where you serve. And that can only happen when we open the door for each other. So if you don't know, ask somebody. So, so let, me, let, me, let me give you the bonus on that. If you're a lead pastor over the age of, let's say, 40, 45, 50, hey, careful. you're not a, Careful, you're not careful bro. I'm in that you're, ballpark. Bro. You're trending my, you're trending my, <laughs> yeah, my listen, play around there. That, I live in that ballpark, too. Um, <laughs> but you've wanted opportunity to speak to young adults. Yeah. Invite them into that space. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you have permission to say so much. Yeah. When you say, hey, hey young person, hey, college student, I need your help with this. And I need you to assist me in that. All of a sudden, as a leader, you have permission to say say the challenging things and the kind things and the loving things to disciple and build them up because you've invited them into that space. Yeah, and just in case you're not aware, almost every college student in America is home right now. Almost. And probably will be home from, from now until August when probably. they go back in the fall. Yeah. So you've got a good six-month stretch here. I think it's about six months, whatever it is. Five months. To have that young person create, build, set up, lead, train other people in your church so that moving forward, you don't lose this capability. Exactly. I think that's going to be the most heartbreaking thing for me is, is for, not that we all have to be on social media, not that we all have to create these dynamic websites and digital platforms, but don't be regressive in this process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like don't go so far backwards that you just went back to where you were before and, and you've lost touch with the opportunity you have here. So have young people who are home from college right now come in, rebuild your digital platforms, take advantage of it, keep it manageable, mm-hmm. right? Stay in your lane, like be who you are. Right. Uh, don't try to be, you know, a mega church with, you know, millions of dollars to throw at this when you're a church of 50 people. But there's still stuff that you can do. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so don't don't lose the opportunity to be progressive in your approach. That you can use this moment to to maximize the future for your church. And what we what we hear over and over from from the young adults we talk to, either on the show or here on campus, what they appreciate so much is authenticity. Yeah. So don't try to be, you just said, don't try to be somebody you're not or something you're not. But if you can say, hey, this is who we are, and we want to broadcast that, however that happens, broadcast not so much in the, just a live stream, but, but get that message out, I think you'll get buy-in from young adults. I think so, too. Branding, marketing, social media, digital platforms, um, 
it, online it's giving. Online giving. I mean, there's so many ways that you can you can create new pathways for engaging uh, your community, engaging uh, young adults in your community, engaging other people in your community. So take advantage of it. I mean, the, yeah. the I mean, I think it's a golden opportunity for us to advance the kingdom in ways that we never dreamed possible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Rob, what you and I have almost been backed into a corner with every other leader is the conversation we were having has had to have legs put on it. The digital delivery of discipleship. Yeah. I mean, that's we, we sit in this place of going, it's great theory, now we got to put it into practice. Yeah, and, and of course we could have a theological debate, which we're not going to do here, about whether or not you can actually do digital discipleship because of the biblical tenets and standards that are placed in scripture for in-person community agreed i get that Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't negate the fact that good work can be done digitally right doesn't negate the fact that creative expressions can happen digitally that perhaps do lead to a more fruitful um expression of uh i don't know face-to-face Body to body contact in the kingdom, right? I don't think that piece can ever be negated. But um, yeah, I think I think this is just a great opportunity for us to to step into it with with full force. And again, it's something that we've said recently, and and we are trying to stay on on par with that is we are not experts in this. No, we are just no. we're just curators of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's why we invite people to the table with us who can speak about leadership, speak about young adults. And, and we're just trying to glean from what we've taken away from, from our personal research, personal study, and the conversations we've had to enable and help other leaders and other pastors and young adults and whoever it is that hears this podcast better the kingdom. Listen, yeah. A win for them is a win for the kingdom. I, I love when Sadie said, she said that about Christian. She yeah. said, a win for you is a win for the kingdom. Christian said that to her when, when she was on the show. And so I think anybody, anything that's a win out of, out of anything we do or we touch is a win for the kingdom. That's all we really want It's yeah. a win for the kingdom. Yeah. And so, so leaders at any stage look for kingdom wins, not just local wins. Yeah. A local win's great, but a kingdom win is better. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's such an important, again, it comes back to framework, it comes back to motivation, it comes back to all of those things maybe we've, we've sort of discussed over the period of the whole show, but um, just reframe how you think, reframe yeah. how you approach, uh, and, and let's, let's glorify God together in this, and, you know, we, we, we want you to, to participate in the show, not so we can get affirmation of how good it is, or you know, how great our guests are, but we want you to participate in the show. Uh, give us pushback so that we can sharpen each other. Like, yeah. you know, Jeff and I are big boys, you know what I'm, Well, I mean that literally. COVID-19 is in the art. <laughs> I, I know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Broaddon ate all the snacks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think, you know, it's, it's not about us always being right or us always having the best ideas. This is really is an invitation to the conversation it's what it's been from day one, and, and we would love to know your thoughts on how to lead well in crisis. What are you doing? Right. What has worked? What didn't work? You know, um, you know. So let us know those things so that we can we can help each other become better. Because I think a win 
a win uh, for the kingdom is 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 where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. So let's do something we don't normally do, Rob. Let's pray for those that listen to the show and the, those leading in their difficult space. Um, God, we thank you for our friends who tune in to this show. God, who listen to us ramble on about whatever we ramble on about. Um, God, we pray that you'd be with them, be present with them. God, over the over the airwaves, God, over over stream, God, however they get this content. Um, but where they sit, God, whether they listen to you right away or a year from now, and they're working through crisis, working through challenge, be present with them, give them guidance, Holy Spirit, give them courage, give them strength when they're weary, and God, know that, remind them that you are for them, and if you're for them, who can be against them? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, keep your head up. Sun's out. God's still in control, and um, we're thankful that you guys tuned into the Collective Scope podcast. And as we always say on the show, you have a seat at the table. You got a seat at the table. See you. God bless you guys. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collective Scope podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media? so this content can reach other great leaders.